This episode of the Disney Nerds Podcast is brought to you by TouringPlants.com. Spend less time in line and more time riding your favorite attractions. Visit TouringPlants.com. My name's Bob, and I'm glad you guys are here tonight. Before we get all wound up, I want to give a big shout-out to Jimmy Hoare in front. Folks listening in tonight on the Disney Nerd Podcast, we want to welcome you all. Welcome to the splendor, the spectacle, the sparkling sensation, where the romance, the comedy, and the thrill of Disney fantasies come to electric life. And as our friend Jiminy said, welcome. Welcome to the Disney Nerds Podcast, a place each week where like-minded people get together to discuss all things Disney. We'll help you get your Disney fix on. Here we go. A Magic Kingdom proudly presents, in a million points of musical light, the magical worlds of Disney. Hello and welcome to show number 504 of the Disney Nerds Podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome back to the show. On this week's show, well, it's going to be kind of a mishmash. We're going to talk a little bit about the Jollywood Nights at Hollywood Studios. And the last thing we're going to talk about is going to be a great interview that Sam from Sam's Disney Diary came back with about the Disney Behind the Attractions show that they have on the Disney Plus channel. To help me talk about all those different things, I have Melissa. Hey, Melissa, how's it going? Hey, everyone. I'm feeling a little bit like a consolation because everyone's already going to Disney. And I'm like, the two, they're the two lonely northern folks stuck in the snow. <laughs> now, I wasn't going to mention how everybody else had a, didn't have a chance to come on the show tonight. And I only kind of had to deal with you. But that's not the case. <laughs> you are our number one co-host. So this works out perfectly. Oh, thanks. And you're probably probably a lot more organized than everyone else, so your packing is going to be a little bit easier. Uh, I love packing the night before. <laughs> I'm not. I, I know what I want, but I have to like be pushed under the pressure of you have to just pick what you're going to wear. So, well, it'll be <laughs> Tuesday night. I'll be packing. Oh, there you go. Uh, now, our other co-host Morgan is already down in the parks. She's down there for uh, to run some races. So I think she has a 5K tomorrow morning. She was telling us she has to wake up at some incredibly horrible time of like 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. or something like that to get like a 5 o'clock bus. Uh, it's ridiculous. But she's all into it. And best of luck to her. Yeah, I'm so proud of you, Morgan. Hope you have a great yep. time. I'm sure we'll hear all about it afterwards, too, which is going to be so cool. The other thing real quick, too, before we go on, it's very cold in, in the Disney World area right now. Uh, some of our friends showed us it was like 67 degrees yesterday. Uh, it didn't really get up like above 71 at, at the, the whole day. That's crazy. Yeah, there's a little bit of cold front that went through. I mean, I know it's always possible in my area to get snow on Halloween, but it's never welcome when it's before November 1st. And I know they were feeling pretty frigid in their costumes as well. But next week looks beautiful for the meetup and uh, looking forward to some 60s uh, all the way up into the 80s, I guess. Still sounds like great weather. I'm not going to say the H word fully, and we're just going to leave it alone for now until you guys get back. First off, what we're going to talk about is our meat preview. We've been talking about this for the last six months, but our uh, the weekend for our meetup has finally arrived. Next weekend, all the Disney nerds will be getting together at Walt Disney World, uh, except for one. Unfortunately, I can't get down there this year. I don't want to go talking about that now. Let's talk about the meetup, though. Uh, Melissa, you're going to be coming down for the first time in a couple years. Yeah, we're super excited to come down. We'll be coming down on Wednesday. And I think everyone's kind of still enjoying their vacation uh, Wednesday. But come Thursday, we'll have the first meetup, which will be at Splitsville. We've got food and a drink package uh, and some uh, entertainment, I believe. So that'll be a lot of fun to kick off the weekend. 
And then Friday, we'll go ahead with our Samplethon in Epcot. And that's always a lot of fun having trivia and surprises, just getting to hang out uh, and listen to some of the Eat to the Beat at the end over in um, American Adventure. And then Saturday morning will be the scavenger hunt also back at Epcot. And that'll run till probably about one o'clock in the afternoon. Lots of great prizes looking forward and learning some new trivia that Ed has very meticulously put together. We're so appreciative of you, Ed, for spending all that time building it. I've gotten to see a little preview uh, because Morgan and I will be grading those papers and giving <laughs> points. Uh, I feel a lot of pressure uh, to fill your shoes, but you'll be there in spirit. Hopefully we can FaceTime you for a little bit. And oh, yeah, no doubt. I believe Saturday night is the big Jollywood event. It's the kickoff uh, inaugural event at Hollywood Studios. And we're mm -hmm. actually going to talk about that here shortly. Yep. So now Thursday night is the event at um, Splitsville, which we've been doing for, I believe, about five years now. And it's been such a great event that we continue to go back there. Jimmy and I and Morgan, we talked about going to a different place this uh this year and we really couldn't find anywhere else that had all the really great things that splitsville has between the food the location and actually the price it, it all worked out very well and we decided to stay there uh jimmy and i we just and morgan we just basically approved all the food we just paid all the price all the uh tabs off right now everything's ready to go for it we just started also getting a lot of the swag in so there's a lot of cool different things for this year. So everybody go into that event. You should be looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I've never been to Splitsville. Because of the day we usually travel, we usually miss the event. And for whatever reason, we've never made it into Splitsville. So you all rave about the sushi and the service that I'm just, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody, but I'm also looking forward to finally experiencing Splitsville. Oh, yeah. It's a fun, fun place. And to be honest with you, the place where we're going to be set up is a beautiful location. The bar is set up right in front of these huge floor to ceiling windows that overlook the main walkway down in uh, Disney Springs. So you'll be able to look out the windows and the lights and the colors. And it's a really, really fun, fun little area, little fun meetup place. So, yeah, definitely watch the Facebook pages uh, for photos. And as we all return home. Uh, tune into the podcast because we'll give in some trip reports. Right. Definitely. Now, something really quick, and this is a little off topic, but I just finally put two and two together the other day. There's a Geico commercial running right now on TV where there's a couple on the couch talking. And one of our friends, Mark Daniel, is in the commercial. Um, and I mentioned that because the last time I saw Mark was down at Splitsville last year. And he's in the commercial. He's the hot dog vendor who comes through the kitchen. So if you see the Geico commercial next time, which I'm sure football this weekend we're going to, check out Mark. He's really good in this. Yeah, um, Mark did such a great job. Uh, super happy for him. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and as Melissa said, Friday night is the half sample thon, which this year is going to be going around, and I looked on a, camp, uh, a map for this, the west side of Epcot, which coincides with the um, scavenger hunt. The scavenger hunt is also on the west side of Epcot. That's the Canada to uh, Japan side. So it's a fun little walk around there. There's a plan to have a lot of light up attire. Uh, the tutus have been ordered and a lot of people are bringing those for the girls. Hopefully a couple guys. Uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of light sticks available. Um, I'm not even sure what the color is this year, but it's going to be interesting to find out. We try to stay together in a group and at night it's awesome because the light keeps us all together. Um, as we go through this uh, walk around, you're going to have time to stop at different locations, get some food. And I believe Morgan is going to be our trivia master. So as we stop, we're going to be answering trivia questions. And there's going to be a lot of swag to be given out for this event, too. Yeah, so Morgan uh, is going to be going ahead and doing that. And I'll come and help her about early, early on, because we know how long it takes us to, to get moving <laughs> and get oh, sure. started. Uh, and... I, when you said this, Canada to American Adventure, I realized every time I come to the meetup, we always are on the Mexico to American side. So this will be the first time 
that I think I've gone the Canada to America side with you. And <clears throat> I'm living vicariously, or Morgan's living vicariously through me. I'll be eating dinner at the Japanese restaurant, um, the okay. higher end one. And so we'll be able to have some pictures and review on the blog after our, our meetup. So that'll be super exciting. Oh, excellent. It's kind of cool you're mentioning some of those things because I'm always interested in people's trips as far as the preview goes, everything you have planned. So as we're going through, if you think of other things you have planned like this, it's awesome. Bring it up, especially those first time things. Uh, my son and a girlfriend went to their restaurant and they had a blast. They said it was yeah. really, really good. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, and so, well, it's we have the very first reservation of the night, which is at 430. Uh, we're going to meet at five o'clock in Canada. Uh, mm -hmm. So Correct. we'll just probably be about a half hour, 45 minutes late, I would think. But uh, yeah, it'll be super fun. We'll be easily able to find everybody with the lights, I think, and the glow sticks. Oh, sure. And for everybody that might hear the show, because I'll have the show out this weekend, which will be the weekend before, you'll be able to find everybody for the walk around um, the half sample -thon in Canada across from the DVC booth is where we're kind of meeting in that little corner before you take the turn and start walking toward UK. So um, you'll be able to see people starting to gather. We're on the water side. We usually try to grab those two tables right before that cutoff there, right that, before that turn. Um, so awesome looking for that. Uh, ev so everyone's looking forward to that. And then on Saturday, as Melissa said, is the scavenger hunt, and it's a really good one. It's a little thick this year, so hopefully it won't be too hard for everybody. Um, and we are doing the west side, the same side we're walking our sample-thon. There's a lot of great clues. There's a lot of interesting facts that I learned this time around. So hopefully everybody will have a fun time with this. And I think we're going to have some great prize packages for this also. So look forward to it. And, you know, I want to give a pre-thank thank you to everybody helping out with the scavenger hunt also. Um, it takes a lot of time to put it together and a lot of time to actually run the thing. So we appreciate all your help. Now, the event, the events are actually over on Saturday, but a lot of people with the podcast also took advantage of finding out early about the Jollywood um, Hollywood Studios event. So what's the official name of that? Uh, it's called Jollywood Nights. Okay, very good. I was close enough. And it's a new event they're introducing this year, Hollywood Studios. And a lot of people from the podcast that are going to be down for our meetups ended up getting tickets for the very, very first night, which is going to be the same Saturday our scavenger hunts on. So a lot of people are going to be doing the scavenger hunt. I'm sure going back to the rooms maybe for a little while to kind of get everything all set for the night, because this is more of a, a proper adult type of nighttime event at Hollywood Studios. Yeah, you're right. It is more adult geared. Not saying that it's not family friendly, but when you look at the, the food offerings that are been made available as of today, and we'll get to that, um, that is heavy in the drink menu. It's encouraged for you to come dressed up in your most dapper attire. And you're encouraged to kind of partake in some of the theming around like that glitzy 1950s type soiree. Um, there are only 10 dates for this event. And it goes from November 11th through December 20th. And three of those dates are already sold out. And you're looking at anywhere from $159 to $179 per ticket. And it does not appear that there's any food or drinks that are included as of right now. Uh, it mentions that there's going to be live entertainment, that there's uh, additional uh, food offerings available. Uh, there's uh, attractions and characters that are not as common that you'd be able to to go and meet um and more so perhaps there'll mm -hmm. be something you know some collectibles or or some uh like a cookie station or something that will be the more but we're not sure and the more seems to be the big part of this because so far and this is only i think last week or the week before rides listed available are going to be Rock and Roller Coaster and Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. So over there on Sunset. In Toy Story Land, the Slinky Dog Dash. And in Galaxy's Edge, the Millennium Falcon and the Rise of Resistance. So we're hoping they're going to add some more rides also by then, which they would be sure to do. Past summer, we did the nighttime event at Hollywood Studios, where it's a later event, because I think this one goes from like 8 to 1230 mm -hmm. and lets you in the park at 7. So 
I think our event went to like maybe one thirty or one o'clock or something. And um, so this actually isn't that much off of that. And they had a ton of rides open though. They had probably about twice as many as this. So I think they're probably going to have more because I'm trying to figure out what you guys are going to be doing. I kind of segue that into, well, could it be eating? Because the amount of food they have for this event is amazing. There, I think, are more drinks, cocktails specifically, than over at International Food Festival right now, I think. <laughs> I mean, they're so creative and colorful, and it's not just desserts. I think a lot of times at the holiday parties, it's very sweet-heavy. There's a lot of savory dinner-type uh, items on I, this venue. I, I haven't seen the actual prices and such like that for some of these food items we're going to talk about, but it almost hits me as like a food and wine type event where yes. you've got a really eclectic amount of different types of foods and they're spread out all over Hollywood studios. They've basically taken over a lot of the restaurants that are there, a lot of the counter service places. And uh, so we're going to talk about some of them and I hope these end up being what you guys are going to get because they all sound pretty incredible. Um, now, the first stop is going to be the ABC Commissary, which is kind of interesting because that is kind of, I guess, in the center as you're working your way back in the Hollywood studios. And this definitely has a Mexican twist to it because we're talking empanadas, uh, a chicharron, uh, which I really pronounced that wrong, uh, a mushroom taco and a, a bira taco, which is a shredded short rib thing. But that's only the entree type stuff they have as far as the desserts and drinks it's incredible even more that uh they have a co coconut rice pudding with caramel rum sauce and cinnamon and i think it looks like a burrito from uh like <laughs> Cadoba or uh chipotle like it looks massive and it looks very good uh so there's there's that there's a mexican hot chocolate cheesecake a maganota Maganata, uh, okay. which is a type of frozen mango beverage uh, that's non-alcoholic. And then they go into some of their more alcoholic drinks. So a zero proof pina colada and a Osaka old fashioned, which that's probably the one that I'll go for. That sounds really nice. good. Nice. The, uh, the mango thing, it doesn't have alcohol, but they also have a little chili, pe uh, chili pepper lime seasoning going on with there. I love the sweet and the spicy, uh, yeah. no matter what. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The old fashioned looks pretty good. Um, so now we can move over to the baseline tap house and they've got a whole bunch of other stuff over there. I, I'm, I'm just amazed at some of these things. Tuna ceviche. ceviche. Okay. So go. they have a charcuterie cup, which is, uh, you know, the bunch of cheeses and meats and stuff like that. And a beer margarita, which is crazy because you know what? We get those all the time around here. The margaritas with the beer up upside down inside of it kind of like nice on the side but that's cool so that's at the tap house so it sounds still like a kind of a mexican thing going on mm -hmm. um then over at dockside diner you're in echo lake area walking up to the, the large boat ship you know? mm -hmm. uh i think we have a more of a asian flair on this one so we have a spicy pimento kimchi dip a roasted eggplant dip which is your plant-based option uh, poutine tots, and I love poutine. You've got your potato barrels, <laughs> right? Uh, top with your gravy and brisket, mozzarella curds and chives, and then a Christmas tree cookie stack. And these look so cute. They're uh, little three rounds of cookies that are su successively smaller, and then they're stacked with some green frosting in between, so that it looks like a little tree. Very, very cute. Oh, nice. Very cool. Uh, and of course, we do have a couple extra drinks here, too. What I love about this event, I mentioned it's kind of millennial friendly. There's a lot of throwbacks to the 90s. Uh, so this is the Sandy Claus hot chocolate. And if you're a Tim Burton fan, you know this is from The Nightmare Before Christmas. And it's a dark chocolate uh, hot chocolate that's topped with cherry whipped cream. And that's also non-alcoholic. And then there's the Naughty or Nice, which is a Crown Royal whiskey and ginger which is mixed with oranges, cranberries, and grapefruit. That one also is going to be a definite for me. It it looks like, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be incredible and it's going to taste great. It looks like somebody took up like a bunch of couple of sherbets and mixed them all together and put a couple of cherries on top of it. 
It does uh, look like a very festive punch. Yeah, very cool. Looking forward to that. And then over at Epic Eats, the, the Asian kind of uh, menu continues with spicy Korean chicken funnel cake. So Epic Eats is over by Indiana Jones. It's on that corner before you head on over to Star Tours. And they do have funnel cakes normally, and it looks like they expanded this incredibly. So we have a spice, uh, spicy Korean chicken funnel cake, a brisket Reuben funnel cake, a s'mores funnel cake, and uh, I guess the alcohol they're advertising is the Sam Adams winter lager, which eh, it's okay. You really got to like it to like it, but, you know, nice to have the option. So that sounds pretty interesting. I, I got to wonder how much these are going to cost. You know? Yeah, I'm gonna guess it's pricing similar to food festival, uh, and I'm wondering I'm if 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 you because the, the dining plan hasn't started. That starts at the beginning of the year, right? Correct. Yep, after yeah, January. So that, yeah. So you figure between six and ten bucks then, or, That's what or I'm even assuming. up to like maybe eleven, twelve bucks. I think this year maybe one or two things that Epcot got up to. Yeah, as we go um, through this list, I think some of these could get into the double digits, and definitely the cocktails are going to be in that teen range. Oh, sure. Well, that's a that's a Walt Disney World cocktail. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, there's some name brand liquor, so th- even if you bought this at your resort, I mean, you're going to be paying fifteen to eighteen dollars easily. Sure, sure. Um, okay, so the food tour of the Jollywood Nights continues. This is crazy how much they have. And again, the, ro- the locations are kind of odd, too, because the next location is Fairfax Fair, which I believe it's one of the restaurants or the, the smaller restaurants on Sunset Boulevard on our way down to the Tower of Terror. Correct? It is. Yep. It's right at the very end, just as you uh, have that choice to go to the left and go to Rock and Roller Coaster or go to the right and go to Tower of Terror. So is it the ice cream place? Uh, nope, that's Hollywood Scoops. Uh, so it's Hollywood Scoops, and then just next to the left is Fairfax. Gotcha. Fair. Okay, yeah, they're very cool. And here they've got some really odd ones because the first one is a holiday turkey popover. Roasted turkey and creamy mashed potatoes topped with gravy, cranberry chutney, and chives in a house-made popover. Wow, that just sounds like not not for this place. Um, they also have just the sides pop over, macaroni and cheese, savory collard greens and ham, topped with cornbread crumbs and a house-made popover. Oh, I get it. Just the sides inside yep. of it. Very cool. So the theme for Jollywood Nights, as I mentioned, is this 1950s classic Hollywood, uh, uh, you know, sort of thing. And so everyone's encouraged to dress their finest. They should look dapper. Um, and as you get closer to... Uh, Tower of Terror, that's where that theming really comes alive. And I think that's what you see in this menu here is that classic 50s American food uh, that's elevated to be maybe a little modern, look pretty artistic, and also uh, be festive for the holidays. And I'm really excited about this menu. All of those things sound fun and in a different way to enjoy them. Oh, no doubt. So did this come about by the Dapper Days or is that the name of those events they would mm-hmm. have periodically at Walt Disney World where everybody comes dressed so. in their finest? Yes, I mm. think so. So they're really taking advantage of a very small sliver of people at an annual event or multi-annual. I mean, every three or four months, I think I remember seeing stuff like that happening. Maybe longer yeah, than I'm, that. I'm interested to see how many people show up dressed up. I know that all of our group or most of our group has shared our costumes and... You know, we've all got 1950s style. I have a dress uh, with the little crinoline that goes underneath. And I have a fancy little hat, uh, felt hat that I have on top. Um, I'm still deciding on gloves. Uh, I've seen my husband. He looks like he's, you know, right out of a bowling league from 1950. He's got this fun button up. Uh, <laughs> with these, you know, it, it's very much feels like he should have the bowling bag too just like carrying it around with him is like seven (laughs) naps carry my stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh that's cool so now i tell you what i just had a memory uh one of our first scavenger hunts at hollywood studios we had a team that was dressed up in their dapper best because they were having it there was a dapper day going to be there that day i don't know if it was hollywood studios or if they were going over to the magic kingdom for it but um, it was pretty cool. The only downside of the whole dapper thing is, though, I can't dress up like that when it's 90 degrees. 
Um, I, I just, yeah. it's not, not happening. Uh, no, and I think this is like, the perfect time of year to do it. It's going to be yeah. at night. It's going to be, I think, in the 60s. Uh, so it'll be perfect weather to be sort of dressed up. Oh, I agree. It should be very, very fun. Uh, knock on wood, it is. Now, to finish up Fairfax Fair, because they had two things at the end here that I got to talk about drink-wise. And Melissa's not kidding when she says there's so many different drinks. They've got a Kermit's Frozen Banana Bliss which is basically a frozen banana and white chocolate caramel swirls topped with machata or maca whipped cream and sprinkles. That sounds Matcha. really good. And I'm not really a big shake type person, but that sounds really awesome. The other one is a mistletoe martini. Uh, vodka and elderflower liquor mixed with cranberry juice and topped with cranberries and mint leaves. Actually, I don't know. That sounds like I'd have to f have somebody else have it first type of drinks but interesting. I love St. Germain's elderflower liqueur. It's very smooth. It's not super florally. Um, and that sounds like this uh, festive cosmopolitan. Uh, oh, nice. I'm, is it I'm similar, looking forward to that. Is elderflower similar to elderberry? No. Okay. Okay, moving on. Gertie's Ice Cream of Extinction even has an item. Uh, that's the dinosaur over across from Indy that serves ice cream. And definitely look up these cookies if you have a chance to see the picture. They are these perfect replicas of Gertie. And, sh and she's got a little Santa hat on the top of her. And so cute. Uh, too cute to eat. Oh, I know. They're going to have t-shirts made out of this one, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think you get away with that. Uh, so we're not done. There's still more. They have another place that will be serving this night. It's it's the market. So that's that food restaurant. Right as you're going to be going into Toy Story Land, past One Man's Dream there, kind of like before you get to the dead end and where those bathrooms are and such. And they've got a lot of stuff here too. Uh, Buffalo Spring Chicken Rolls, which I guess you really can't fail with those. Frozone Snowball Macaroons, so some cookies. Uh, spiced apple cider, which sounds perfect for the time of year. We're starting to get into the whole Christmas thing. Zero proof apple cider. Lynn's spiced cane spirit, apple cider. Agastoro bitters, cinnamon topped with apple chip and cinnamon rim. I can't tell if that's alcoholic or not. Uh, and in holiday, fa uh, in holiday fashion, Buffalo Trace Kentucky straight bourbon, rosemary syrup, cranberry lime juice, and uh, cinnamon. So uh, sounds like a lot of good drinks. And we need to be specific, Ed, that this is a macaroon, not a macaron. So it's not the French style. <laughs> it's the coconut one. <laughs> not to oh, be yeah. confused. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> um, very cool. And we still have more. Pizza Rizzo has a meatball that I think is bigger than a bowling ball. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I need to bring a mini scale to weigh this meatball. It's massive. At least in the picture, it looks massive. And it's served over yep. polenta. You also have some olive and goat cheese flatbread, some antipasto flatbread, uh, and a tiramisu puff. And then you have, it looks like a couple of wines and a couple of uh, Italian beers to go along mm -hmm. with it. They have, uh, uh, oddly, Heineken 0, 0.0, a, a German-Italian beer, maybe? I don't know. We'll, we'll move on. Uh, Heineken that. is Austrian-German, uh, but uh, it's... Every time we've seen a restaurant, I think they've had a alcoholic free option, which is, I love oh, okay. that they're pairing that with your plant-based offerings and your allergy, you know, friendly menus that you also have this alcoholic free option. Too. Sounds so much more like food and wine as we're going, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The pairing up and such. Okay. So now I'm not too sure where this one is. The Twilight Zone Soiree or Twilight Soiree at the Tip Top Club. So I'm guessing near the Twilight Zone. The tip top. Uh, yep, it's in the in the courtyard of Hollywood Tower Hotel. So I'm wondering if the line isn't going to snake through there. You're going to actually enter Tower of Terror someplace else and be able to then have a soiree in the queue outside. So the next location they have is going to be interesting because we're trying to figure out the Twilight Soiree at the Tip Top Club. The best we could figure out is that the Tower of Terror might be a little bit reorganized to let people up onto the, I guess the balcony is what you're thinking. 
Yeah, you know where those fountains, or it, it was a fountain at one time. All oh, the sure. water um, is gone, and you have the uh, the I don't know the gables, the wooden gables that kind of cover that area. Um, and there's going to be music, and it looks like a club, right, for music and cocktails. So the line to get into Hollywood Tower of Terror must be a little bit different location this time. Interesting. I'm really looking forward to this just because they sound like they have really reorganized it so well. It's going to be interesting to see what they could do between the time they close the park down at 7.30 and they open the park for you guys up at 8 o'clock and have everything set up. Mm -hmm. um, very cool. But the soiree has a bunch of drinks. Go figure. Uh, the Fifth Dimension Royale, the Twilight Daiquiri, Sparkling Pomegranate Apple Cider, and the Domaine St. Michel Brut, which I'm guessing is the champagne. I'm going to have very such cool. a hard time to pick which one I want and be very tempted to ride the ride. And I don't know if it's a good idea to have a cocktail, dance, then ride the ride, or if I should ride the ride and then do the cocktails. Because <laughs> you'll be so close to being able to go in. Oh, I know. I know. It should be really fun. Uh, we do have another location. Or actually, they have, a, I guess, smaller locations around the area of the park. Uh, the Trolley Cafe is going to have an ornament mousse. The outdoor vending locations will have gingerbread bites, which is oddly plant-based item. They have to say that. I didn't know they had beet and ginger, uh, put meat in the gingerbread. Uh, it's um, probably dairy and egg and honey free. Oh, fair enough. Thank you. Uh, and then different bar locations are going to have different types of cookie martinis and gingerbread spritzers and items like that. Now, tell us what they're going to have at the Brown Derby. Yeah, the Brown Derby is an interesting one, again, because that's normally a reservation style. So this must be more of like be able to walk in and enjoy sitting in the tables, I'm assuming. Uh, and you can go ahead and get Oysters Rockefeller which has going to have some spinach foam, shaved Parmesan, ricotta pepper relish, and salmon caviar. You'll also have crispy dr duck drumettes, a charcuterie, and a shrimp cocktail. It's a little bit fancier, which is why I think you're able to have that because you'll be able to sit, but it'll be interesting if you order at the door and then sit down. Do you order from your phone at the table? I think this could go a couple of different ways. I I almost wish they had more information for everyone so you'd be ready to know what to do when you get there because you don't want to waste any time. Right. Um, you want to be able to get what you want when. And hmm. if that wasn't enough, they have even more. They have derby sliders, tuna carpaccio, pork belly bao, tofu bao, and an assortment of more cocktails, including <laughs> zero proof and non-alcoholic beverages, beer, and wine. Right. Now, I want to back up to the Derby Sliders. It is a bison and pork belly blend. So that is very specific. Bison is, you don't have that much in the park. So very, very cool. Ed, I can answer my own question and predict the future. You will be able to go and join a walk-up wait list and the My Disney Experience app to be able to enjoy those menu offerings at the Jazzy Holidays at the Holiday Brown Derby. So now that's a piece of advice you would need to know right away because you would want to make that reservation at seven o'clock or as early as you can where it's available, even before maybe you get into the park for that eight o'clock start or get ready at eight to do it. I don't, I don't know. So something to look forward to at least. So something to kind of plan for. Yeah, we'll report back uh, on next week's episode or two weeks episode to let you know uh, how you can uh, go ahead and get on that wait list. Right, because this is the 11th of um, November is when everybody's going. So we will have a show the very next week to be able to tell everybody what happened at the event. So if you have an opportunity to go later in the year at some of the ones that aren't sold out yet, at least you're going to have some warning of what's going to happen. Uh, it sounds like a really, really incredible event. So really looking forward to you guys having a great time at this one. Okay, guys, so now we're going to kind of do a little bit of a, a odd segue here. And what we're going to finish the show up tonight is an incredible interview that our co-host Sam from Sam's Disney Diary was able to get with Brian Volkweiss. Now, that name might not sound familiar, but the show behind the Disney attractions on the Disney Plus channel 
is a show that he's very involved in and has directed and has been a big part in producing them. So Sam was lucky enough to get the interview, and we're going to listen to that now. Um, Melissa, have you seen any of the behind the Disney attraction shows? I watched the first season straight away, and I am ready to finish this podcast so we could go upstairs and watch the season two. <laughs> Very cool. Well, so this interview is great. It's only about 15 minutes long, but it's got some great behind-the-scenes information. I'm telling you, this is so cool. If you've seen the show or if you haven't seen it, you can definitely watch it after listening. Okay, so here we go, Sam. Take it away. Ed, this has been amazing, and I'm sure that you guys are aware that Behind the Attractions Season 2 hits Disney Plus on November the 1st, less than a week away. Amazing. One of the episodes is Epcot. One of the episodes is Food, along with some others there. I had the privilege earlier today of spending 15 minutes with Brian Von Weiss, who is the producer of Behind the Attractions, and I asked him about Epcot, the series, and he told me some stories about Figment that he got from Tony Baxter that are really cool. So here's 15 minutes of really cool stuff around Behind the Attractions, straight from the producer. Brian Von Weiss, how are you? Thank you for joining me. It's amazing to see you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's great to be here. I love where you are. That looks like a fun room. I, this is my pandemic build, you know, take apart some pinball machines, rebuild them, getting working. What, which brings me to, right, some of the latest projects that you've worked on here. Clearly, we're here to talk about Behind the Attraction Season 2. But yes. one of the things I wanted to ask you was, Season 1 sort of happened during the pandemic. What was sort of the difference between producing the first season and the second season? Well, it's really interesting because the pandemic happened when we were in post on season one. Okay. It didn't affect us whatsoever, uh, making no. the show. That's season two, uh, COVID was slowly coming down. So it drastically, like we were all vaccinated, right. but it... It was still everywhere you went, you had to wear masks. And by the way, you know, I'm not just talking about the United States, sure. Japan and China. For every rule the United States had about COVID, Japan had 25. I kid, um, only when, I, I kid you not, when I was in Japan for a week on this show, the only time I wasn't wearing a mask was in my hotel room. Literally, the, when you're eating, you had the mask on and you'd be like literally doing that. So like, glad those times are behind us, huh? I, I would imagine all 8 billion of us would agree. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you are executive producer along with Danny Garcia and Dwayne Johnson. Did you work yes. on all of the episodes or did you pick and choose or what, what was your behind the scenes sort of, what was happening? Well, I directed the whole show and oh, season one. So yes, I was absolutely, uh, I worked on every episode. Thank God. Yeah, I, yeah, there's so much history here. I had the opportunity to watch these episodes, and I love them, season one and season two. So how do you decide what the topic's going to be? Is there a process, or are you told this is what we're going to have the topic of? No, we, we absolutely recommend to Disney what we want to do, and then they work with us to pick what we actually do. Season one was tough. Very tough. Okay. I think the initial list had like close to 30 attractions. Season two was very easy because it was the stuff we wanted to do for season one that we didn't get to do. I get it. Well, well and I noticed that you had, what, 12 episodes in season one, six in season two. Is there, I'm hoping ten, there's more somewhere. Ten in season one. Ten uh, in season one. Sorry. Season two, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'd like to do 10 seasons at least. I, I, we're all yeah, behind you. Everyone here loves that. Oh, all right. So here's my question. You, you Clearly, storytelling is your forte with all of the projects that you've had, whether it's been the movies that made us, the toys that make us. I can go down that list, but we're here to talk about behind the attractions. You brought that same storytelling element here. When you go into some of these interviews, have you scripted the questions to lead your story, or are you going to the interviewer, interviewee, asking questions that become your story? What comes first, the chicken or the egg? So we always have a list of questions that we go into the interview with, 
but they really kind of act just like there you go um they just kind of act like a guide my uh, interview style is conversational so what i basically do is i sit down i got my i got my notebook right um, and then i have the list of questions printed out i start every interview the same way i always say what's your name and what do you do sure and then we'll talk for between an hour my record is five and a half hours whoa uh, for and, this film or for something no, else for behind no, 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 no. Okay. Was, all right it was for uh, peter laird from teenage mutant ninja turtles uh, nice but um and then at the end when we start running out of stuff to talk about then i go back to my piece of paper and the whole time i'm frantically taking notes by the way sure so then by the end of it i look at my pieces of paper and usually like on a bad day 90% of the questions got answered usually on a good day 96 to 97% of what i was supposed to get we got do you leave yourself open for things that maybe oh i want to tell that as part of the story something new always and very often so what i always say is and it was always sounds a little crazy but whenever we start shooting a show i always say we got to find our spinal columns and what that means is what's the spinal column of the season okay what's the spinal column of every episode because what's the spinal column yes it helps you stand and everything and move and walk but also as you know all your nerves are connected to it so it's obviously one of the most important things in our bodies so when we are doing a show if i'm interviewing something and they say something that never came up in any of the research or any of the other interviews i will like i said i'm always taking notes i got highlighters i'll highlight it but then when i get back to the hotel at the end of the night or during lunch i'll email the editor working on that episode and i'll say you know and this is from the field so i'll literally they're not even going to get the episode for like another 6 months right so i'll literally email them and be like um you know uh, big thunder mountain blah 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 this interview and then i usually write down the time of day so they can find it quickly and then 6 months later i get a cut and there it is got it or something like tony baxter just gave us the story behind the name figment find it that kind of thing right. is that <laughs> yes is that then, jumped out in my mind so one of my two favorite things i learned in season 2 uh, one of the two well yeah. all right and the other is so we were do do you know what a third shift tour is a sh- third shift tour kind of a, the going to get additional b-roll type of a thing is that oh every disney park 7 days a week oh, okay. they have something called a third shift yes. and that goes from about 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. that's your overnighters yeah yeah so we were doing a third shift tour uh with Tony and Tony was literally showing me around Indiana Jones and we're 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 walking we're walk you know the lights are all on the show lights are off it is the most un believable experience you can imagine i like, can't imagine it <laughs> it's mind but my my favorite third shift tour story you know the big dining room scene in a uh, haunted mansion yes of course we all do i've been on the other side of that scene looking at the cars go the ride the ride cars going by that's pretty darn cool one of the greatest moments if you forget about my children and my wife one of the greatest moments of my life i i, I that is amazing brian i love that story yeah so we're on indiana jones and tony's like oh hey look you see on the ceiling there's that slot and i'm like yeah he's like you know what that slot's for i'm like i have no idea he's like when we first designed the attraction we wanted there to be debris constantly raining down so how do you do debris without hurting your customers the guests as they're called so they came up with this like giant custom made ice machine made by a company that made stuff like this for NASA by the way okay and they added like brown food coloring to the water and then it made this these sheets of ice and these boulders it looked like a boulder would, then yeah yeah and they would be falling and shattering and if god forbid anything hit a guest it didn't matter cuz it was water right so I, that's that, <laughs> so it worked it worked for about a month 
And then it started breaking down every day. And then they finally stopped using it. So but we that, get B mode is what we get. <laughs> that, From deck forward. I get it. It's still pretty good. Uh, no, um, it is good. That, Great. Still up there. That that ice machine is still on the roof. I, but I, how are you going to get it out? I, uh, that's awesome, Brian. I love that. Now, I, I have a question about, I want to jump to the Epcot episode. You touched on the yeah. Indiana Jones. The yeah. Epcot episode, love the history, love the behind the scenes. And I've noticed the similarity in all of these episodes. They all start with Walt and a vision that Walt had and everybody goes back to Walt. And that's, you know, we know that as Disney fans, but it's absolutely true. So you get through Epcot, the beginning of it. And then, you know, you got to, here's how it started. And we added Norway. And recently we added and changed it to Frozen Ever After, which is awesome from Maelstrom to Frozen Ever After. You skipped a whole lot of time in the middle there. A lot of time. Is is there any thoughts of going back to cover some of that that happened? Or is this, or what, what took you to that? Because it went from the history, 1988 to 2018, and then the rest of it. It's a great question. Um, first of all, uh, I, I could do 10 episodes just on Epcot. Love hearing that. Um, I mean, I, I, and I, I, I hope I can one day. Um, the, it's a really great question, and there's an interesting reason. There's an interesting answer. Okay. So you're, you're completely right. Walt, 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 everything always goes back to Walt. Since I was a little kid, and I couldn't tell you why, because I know this is very not, nor, not typical, I have always found Roy extremely interesting. I, and, yeah. you know, what I always say is, this has always cracked me up, I always say, there's no Lincoln without Grant. I don't know if there's a Walt without Roy. You I know, it's nice, to have, it's, not, yeah. it's nice to have a brother who works at B of A when you move out to California and need money. Yeah. So not to mention all the stuff he would do for the next 50 years. So I wanted to use the Epcot episode to really give Roy some spotlight. And the reason I wanted to do it in the Epcot episode was, like, to the best of my knowledge, and by the way, if I'm wrong, you're the epitome of the person who can tell me, to the best of my knowledge, there are only two books 100% dedicated to Roy, and then there's, like, maybe 10 other books that he's in them a lot, right. and then there's probably 10,000 books about Walt. By the way, that's entirely proper, but... I wanted to do a Roy story. I touched on Roy a little bit in season one, especially with the first episode. Mm -hmm. But to me, and again, I always have to preface this where I apologize ahead of time if I tear up a little bit. Um, but to me, the, the quintessential story to show who Roy is, is Orlando and specifically to Epcot. Because as I'm sure you know, Walt was all about Orlando. Walt was all about Epcot. Roy yep. was not. Yeah. So Walt died very quickly after his diagnosis. He did. So you would think Roy, he now owns the company. He's now the CEO. He's the second CEO ever. You would think he'd be like, woohoo, now I can shut down this Epcot thing. <laughs> but no, he doubled and down. He doubled. He, he, I would argue he quadrupled down. Yeah. And as I'm sure you also know, Roy died very soon after he finished building. After the dedication world. speech, not long. Yeah. Amazing. So he dedicated the remainder of his life to build his brother's dream. That's right. He didn't live long enough to build it. And it's called Walt Disney World because of Roy. It would have been Disney World without Roy saying, no, this is Walt Disney World. This is my, and it, it's amazing. Exactly. Hey, I'm so running through it on time. And oh. I got to ask you one other thing. Did you sure. get to the food, the flavor lab, the food lab? Did you get to go there? I, I live there. <laughs> the, uh, I, I, the scout alone, I think we were in there for about 10, 12 hours. And we shot there. Uh, we shot in there for about four days. That food episode is phenomenal because everybody knows it is an attraction. Yeah. I, I, I love that. So seeing that inside of that flavor lab was awesome. But even covering the churros and what they've turned into. And, and there's so many things that they've done just with, with the hamburger and putting the pickle over it and a couple of uh, olives as eyes and calling it the Mr. Toad Burger. It's so cool to see that. Any favorite food? They told us everything. Any favorite food for you? 
You know, it's it's so cheesy, it's so cliche, but it it's the churro. I uh, and I, by the way, here's the funny thing: I was never a big churro guy until I had one at Disney, sure. and now I would argue at, at Disneyland, and I would argue it's now my favorite dessert. I I I love that. I, I am popcorn on Main Street at Magic Kingdom or Disneyland Park. Either way, I'm going to that cart that you see first, and I'm getting whatever popcorn bucket that's that's the current one on display. Hopefully, it's a Star Wars bucket because that links back to toys. Which is, you know, you've been there a couple of times. So, Brian, I want to thank you for your time, man. Thank you, Sam. I can keep talking, by the way. I want to do five hours sometime, but thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, man. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Wow, that was an incredible interview, Sam. Thank you so much for that. There was so much great information in such that little time of 15 minutes, but very cool. I loved all that information. I thought it was so interesting that he actually gets to come and approach Disney with the attractions that he wants to do and they're like yeah we're gonna make this work I I hope they can do many more seasons <laughs> the other cool thing about that interview was those third shift tours he was talking about uh, when they have the three shifts at Disney World and they have that third shift which is basically during the night and they basically were touring around to get the lay of the land for those different types of attractions very very cool stuff I'm going to try to get Brian on the show, see if we can reach out. And if there's nothing with Disney holding him back, I'd love to have him on for a full hour or more because I think there would be so much great information. Okay, guys. So if you have time and you're in the Walt Disney area, definitely try to get over to Walt Disney World to get to one of our meetups. Unfortunately, the meetup at Splitsville is sold out however the other two events are free events on friday and saturday go to the disney nerds podcast page look at the event section for the times and locations for the meetups looking forward to seeing everybody there jimmy tell everybody how they can reach us to meet up with us you can email us at questions at the disney nerds podcast.com and email us individually at Ed at the Disney Nerds Podcast.com, Jimmy at the Disney Nerds Podcast.com, etc. You can send us a message on Facebook to the page, the Disney Nerds Podcast. Join our group, Disney Nerds, Instagram at the Disney Nerds Podcast, and Twitter at the Disney Nerds. Make sure to check out the website, www.thedisneynerdspodcast.com, and watch the live stream every Tuesday night at nine o'clock, Walt Disney World time. Okay, guys, so that's it for show number 504 of the Disney Nerds podcast. A little bit about talking about food at the Jollywood Nights event and a great interview about the Behind the Attraction show on Disney+. Plus. For Melissa, this is Ed, and we're the Disney Nerds, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. TTFM. Ta-ta for now. If Mortals pay a token fee, rest in peace.